Hello there. Welcome to another life transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwe Tachero. All right. Mark chapter 7. Are you there? If you're there, say amen. Mark chapter 7. From verse 24, the Bible says, From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered the house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and, and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Somebody say, mercy. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, you people are not excited. I'm reading very powerful, a very powerful story here. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon still there. Huh? When she had come to her house, she found the demon had gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Today, I want to speak on the subject provoking the undeserved miracle. Provoking the undeserved miracle. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we bless you for this moment. I pray for your anointing. I pray for your glory to cover me. I pray that you take charge of my tongue, my faculties, that I may decree your word, that I may teach your word with clarity. I pray for a heavy anointing upon my life this morning. Is someone here who needs to hear you, Lord. I pray that may I become your mouthpiece. Through me, may your voice reverberate in their spirit. And may they know that you are speaking to them. Heal someone today. Release a miracle in the life of someone today. Especially that person who is hungry for a miracle. Thirsty for a move of God. Whose faith is up there. Looking forward to a miracle from you. I pray that may they not live here disappointed. We give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shout a big amen. amen. Now, have you ever felt undeserving of any assistant, assistance rather, or, or a gift that has been given to you? Have you ever felt unworthy of a privilege or honor that was extended to you? Have you ever been given something and yes, you take it, but you feel like, I don't deserve this thing. It should have been given to someone else. It should have been given to my friend or it should have been given to um, my colleague at the place of work. I have seen some people when they are given something or when they achieve a milestone in their lives, their only natural response is tears. Tears flow freely down their cheeks. You give them a gift, they get promoted, or they win a competition, 
And all you can see is tears, you know, flowing down their cheeks. I mean, you expect them to be happy, but you see tears rolling down their cheeks. And for some of them, I believe it's because they didn't think they deserve what they have been given. For some of them, they also know or they realize that they have won, yes, but, or they have what they have, but they didn't stand a chance to be in that position to receive what they have been given. They feel unworthy and deserving of the privilege or the opportunity that has been accorded them. I believe all of us have had such experiences in life where a privilege was granted to you, a door was opened for you, a major door, a strategic door, or somebody gave you something that you felt very, very strongly you didn't deserve it. Or you achieved a milestone that made you shake your head in disbelief. You had to even pinch yourself because, you know, you thought you were dreaming. You looked at your flaws, you looked at your character flaws, you looked at your failures, you looked at your weaknesses, and you could not reconcile what you have achieved or what you have been given or the milestone you have achieved in life. Because you thought with your shortcomings, with your flaws, with your weaknesses, you're not supposed to be having what you have been given. You're not supposed to be enjoying what has been extended to you. You're not supposed to be in the position that you have been promoted to. You feel like you are unqualified to enjoy the privilege that has been extended to you. Sometimes you look at even your generosity is wanting. You look at even your prayer life is wanting. You check your life and you see that you have some degree of stubbornness. Not much, but a little. But it is there. Can we be real this morning? You look at yourself, you look at your education, you look at your background, you look at your experiences, you look at even your age. And you're like, wait a minute. I don't think I deserve it. But I'll enjoy it anyway. Deep down your heart, you know that you don't deserve what you have. I believe God allows such experiences in our lives to show us his unconditional love. Because the love of God is, a, is unconditional. If, if God was to love us based on our performance, many of us will get nothing. If not, all of us will get nothing. So God allows such things to happen in our lives so that he may demonstrate his unconditional love to us. God blesses us despite our shortcomings. God grants us victory despite our prayerlessness. God allows us to be promoted at the place of work, you know, despite of our stinginess. You know, God saves us from the devourer despite us not even paying our tithe. But he still blesses us and protects us. It is a sign that the unconditional love of God is still real and that God is still with us. But there's the other side of the undeserved miracle that I want us to talk about this morning. And I want you to know that you can also provoke 
the undeserved miracle in your life. You don't deserve it. You have not qualified for it, but you can provoke it. Look at your neighbor and tell them you can provoke it. You know very well that your experience does not allow you to have it. You know very well that your status doesn't allow you to have it. You know very well that your work of faith is so feeble and it doesn't allow you to have it, but you can choose to provoke the undeserved miracle in your life. You have a lot of shortcomings. You have a lot of flaws. You don't pray like other people because there are people who can really pray. I'm telling you, somebody sent me a video this week of a sister who was praying for a prayerful husband. He said, Lord, I want a prayerful husband. And the Lord is faithful. If you want a prayerful husband, you will get one. So in this video, they went home after getting married. But that was the beginning of the lady's Kesha. Because the brother wakes up in the middle of the night bursting in tongues. <laughs> maka, maka, maka. <laughs> then after 10 minutes, he goes back to sleep. Then she thinks it is over. She goes back to sleep. This is a prayerful husband. He bursts again in tongues. Kada, 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 kada. And the sister jumps out of the bed thinking the, ma the man is mad. When he's done with the tongues, he goes back to sleep. So tell your neighbor, be careful what you ask God for. Be very careful. Because our God answers prayers. So there are people who are very prayerful. Very, very prayerful. And sometimes you can compare yourself with such people and you feel like you are not really, really prayerful. You know, you're not really prayerful. But let me tell you, you can provoke and deserve a miracle. Because sometimes we are not very prayerful. Sometimes we are not really obedient to God's word. But you can choose to provoke the undeserved miracle. Touch your neighbor and tell them, provoke it. They didn't hear you. Tell them one more time, provoke it. You can position yourself, you know, for the undeserved miracle. And this is exactly what this woman did. She provoked the undeserved miracle in her life. She was not supposed to have it. She had to overcome some things. She had to overcome some impediments which disqualified her from experiencing the undeserved miracle. And when she did overcome these impediments, then that miracle was released in her life. So you too, you can overcome impediments in your life. Anything that is keeping you from the undeserved miracle, you can overcome it and experience this miracle in your life. Can I get an amen? So let's look at some of the monumental impediments that this woman had to overcome for her to experience the undeserved miracle. Number one, she was a woman. She was a woman. She was not a man. She was a woman. The Jewish culture did not regard women highly. They were exempted from any study beyond an understanding of the practical aspects of Torah and the rules necessary for running a Jewish household. They were also not allowed at the central part of the synagogue. 
which was a prayer section secluded for men. Women in those days in the synagogue were relegated to the gallery. They were just watching from far. But they were not at the central location of the synagogue. Gender disparity was deeply entrenched in Jewish thought, so much so that Jewish men, while praying, said, listen to this, I thank God who has not made me a woman. End of quote. That was their prayer. Because women were not really highly regarded in the Jewish culture. I remember when we went to Israel, we, we went to the Wailing Wall. And, and, and this thing really played out. You know, There's a section they didn't even allow women. I couldn't even get there with Pastor Mary. I had to go there alone. You know, Women were not allowed at that particular area. So the women were directed a different direction. And us as men, we went to the real source of where things are happening. You see, so it was even playing out right before our eyes. And you can see that these women, this woman rather had to overcome this impediment, you know, to unlock the undeserved miracle in her life. She knew that women were not highly regarded, but she still decided that I want a miracle. I want something that the Jewish culture has disqualified me from. I am just a mere woman. I'm not supposed to be before men. I'm not supposed to appear, you know, before Jesus. But she decided that I must overcome this thing. Because if I don't overcome it, then I'm not going to provoke the undeserved miracle in my life. So look at them and tell them, you have to overcome that impediment. Yeah. For you, it can be gender. For some of you, it can be your tribe. For some of you, it can be your height. For some of you, it can be your education. For some of you, it can be your skin color. You have to overcome that impediment so that you may provoke the undeserved miracle. Praise the Lord. You have to decide that your tribe will not limit you. Your gender will not limit you. You're very quiet this morning. You have to decide that your background will not limit you. It doesn't matter how people view you. You have to determine that this thing will not limit me in any way. I will overcome this impediment and provoke the undeserved miracle in my life in Jesus' name. Secondly, she was a Gentile. The Bible calls her a Syrophoenician woman. You know, she was a Gentile. And Gentiles were despised by Israelites. Israelites believed that they were the chosen breed. And Gentiles were second class citizens who never deserved much. In fact, they compared Gentiles, you know, to dogs. That's why Jesus mentioned something about dogs, but we'll talk about it. So the Israelites saw themselves as a special breed. And this woman was not an Israelite. She was not a Jew. This woman was a Greek, you know. And she had to also overcome this Gentile impediment that was hanging on top of her head. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you must realize that for example, when you look at this country, Kenya, people will always flash their tribal cards. Yeah, people will always retreat to their tribal cocoons. You know, they might be with you, you might eat together, you might clap, you might dance, you might do whatever, but at some point, you know, you will find that some people begin to retreat to their tribal cocoons. We see that in politics. Mm -hmm. It's very quiet. But it's true. Yeah, people will come and sing your praises. 
they will tell you, you are the fifth. <laughs> and they will say things you want to hear. They will tell you things and you go home, sleep with a smile on your face. You are sleeping but you are smiling. You are even dreaming that you are being inaugurated. But when you wake up in the morning, you get surprised. You wonder, where are all these people who are singing my praises? It's because people retreat to their tribal cocoons at a critical point in their lives. You can even see it in marriage. Yeah, that you are even given warnings. Don't bring... <laughs> Fall in love, but don't... There's a caveat. Don't bring somebody from whatever, 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 whatever. Don't embarrass us. Yeah. You should know that this family is a very important family. <laughs> so if you bring anything that is not corresponding our status as a family, we will not accept it. And some marriages have been frustrated because this young man picked somebody from another tribe. You know, I have, I have, the, I have the permission to talk about it because I've already broken that impediment. Yes, because me, I said, I will never marry from my tribe so that I can preach against tribalism. Some of you cannot because me, I have the confidence and the permission to be able to do it. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm not saying it's wrong to marry from your own tribe, but some of you have married from your own tribe because you're under pressure. You, 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 it's not love. It's pressure. Yeah. That's why in your marriage, there's a lot of pressure. Mm. You're singing that song, I am under pressure. <laughs> I understand why your neighbor is not responding to my message. It, it, it is sinking. Are we together, somebody? Yeah, people flash the tribal, you know, cards everywhere, everywhere. You go to a place, you're looking for employment. Then they ask, so... What is your last name? When you mention your last name, I mean, your, your, your fate has been sealed. Yeah? And, and this thing has even come to the church now. Yeah? People ask, the pastor, where, 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 where is the pastor from? When you mention the name of the pastor, they say, this name sounds Nigerian. Please, you don't want me to preach today. I'll, I'll preach it, I'm telling you. Then they say, okay, mention the next, the, the, the other, the first one is very complicated. It's confusing us. Mention the next one. They say, hey, ah, I've never had such a name. Be careful with this. <laughs> Tribal. That's why you go to a church, it's full of one tribe. One tribe. That's not the church Jesus died for. The Bible says, my house 
shall be a house of prayer for many nations or all nations. It's, it's, it's a scripture for all nations, all tribes. You understand what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, but you go to a church, you are even lost. The songs are in vernacular. Preaching is in vernacular. Everything is in vernacular. You feel lost. It's like they're telling you, we don't want you here. Yeah. And some people can be in a church, in a church, in a church, in a church, in a, and then a pastor comes and opens a church in the neighborhood from their village or their tribe. They say, now. <laughs> now a, ch- a real church has come in the neighborhood. Hey. Tell your neighbor, please. Overcome that impediment. That's why here, even in the staff, I, I, I don't use the second or the third name to call people. I want, I want to use the first name. Because your, your tribe is irrelevant to me. You are a child of God, full stop. You are born again, full stop. Not you are um, whatever and who is born again. No, 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 no. You are a child of God, full stop. Not you are so-and-so from so-and-so who is born again. No, 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 no. You are a child of God, washed by the blood, serving God, loving God. Where you come from is none of my business. You see, you cannot even say amen because it is challenging your thinking. You cannot believe what I'm preaching this morning. Yeah, that's why you people, people are moving from one church to another because they are looking for somebody, a pastor who is from their tribe. Oh, you know, this pastor, this pastor, you know, when he preaches sometimes, he enters into another zone. Watch, huh? and there's a, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when he enters that zone, oh, the anointing comes, please. Tell your neighbor, overcome that impediment. God has many anointed vessels. And God can use a pastor from another tribe to bless you. To provoke the undeserved miracle in your life. Oh, I thought I'll get a louder amen. Whether it's black or white, it doesn't matter. Whether it's from Nyanza or Nyeri, it does not matter. Whether it's from Western or it's from Isiolo, it does not matter. What matters at the end of the day is the anointing. If he's anointed, he will bless you. Can I get a louder amen? If he's anointed, he will provoke the undeserved miracle in your life. In fact, this morning, receive your miracle. I unlock the heavens for you this morning in the name of Jesus. May you receive your undeserved miracle in Jesus' name. Throw your hands up and shout, I receive it. This woman was a Gentile. And she looked at the Gentile region. There was no preacher who was anointed. And she heard there is a preacher in the Jewish geographical location who is anointed and she said I have to go I am, I am a gentile these Jews despise us they don't like us but there is a Jew who is anointed I will forget about tribes I will even forget about how they view us I'm going to this Jew because that Jew carries 
what I desire. What if she said, you know, I'm a Gentile, these are Jews, they really look down on us, they despise us. She could have missed her miracle. The way most of you miss your miracles. Because you say, oh, this guy, where is he? Oh, 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 he cannot lay his hands on me. If he lays his hand on me, you know, <laughs> let me not say what I wanted to say. Let's just leave it at that. Amen. Number three, the third impediment. She was not on Jesus' program. Jesus was not even expecting her. Mark chapter 7 verse 24, the Bible says Jesus went to the region of Tyre and Sidon and he entered the house and wanted no one to know it. Jesus was trying to hide from crowds. Yes. He was trying to have quiet time. He was trying to have his moments alone. You understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. One, one of the reasons I love traveling, me, is because at least out there, I, I can have privacy. <laughs> at least I can swim. I can wear my nice, beautiful shorts. I have a very nice, I have three very nice shorts. Which I can't wear. If I wear here, some of you will be slain. You'll be like, hey. I mean, this last week, I was in Ivasha with a team of pastors. And in fact, I, I, we, I appointed one of the pastors to organize where we are going to go. We wanted to spend time together with those pastors. You know, so as couples, we just drove and went to Naivasha. I would tell I've never been to. In fact, I told them to choose where we are going, so they chose we went and stayed there. Then I looked around and said, oh, yeah. I can enjoy my privacy here. I can have a good time here. I said, this, this, this is nice, because it's somewhere... Somewhere, somewhere. Then I say, ah, Pastor Mary, it's time to pull out my beautiful shirt. So I pulled out my beautiful shirt, with my shirt, with my very nice open shoes, descended the stairs to go for breakfast. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> So I'm here, I'm serving my breakfast. A lady comes smiling. I almost said, excuse me, do I know you? <laughs> but she said, oh, pastor. I almost said, you're talking to a wrong person. <laughs> To make matters, she said, I have been to your church. Then she went deeper and said, I watch you on Sundays. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was humbled. I was really, really humbled. So, when you see Jesus looking for a place where he just wants to be alone, I understand him. Because maybe he wanted to wear his shirt. And just relax. You understand what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, I've given you a story. I was going to swim somewhere around here, out of time. I thought it was out of time. So I used to go and swim, swim, because I love swimming. You know, jump into the water, come out. You jump, you behave like a fish. You come out. Jump again. You come out. You come. Oh, you. Telling you. It's fun. Then you go back again, you come out. You run, you close your eyes, you are damn it. Hey. hey. So one time I jumped when I was just resting, planning my next move. Somebody was next to me and said, Hey, Pastor. I said, hey. I said, Wow. Mercy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was the last time I went back to that pool. I've never been back there again. So I understand Jesus. He entered the house. And he wanted no one to know of it. He just wanted to have some quiet, you know, time. And this woman decided to get crushed. Jesus is planning to have a quiet time. But how she decided, no, Jesus, you're not going to have a quiet time right now. Because I have an emergency. And so she became a gate crusher. You know, she traveled all the way. She came and she said, I must see him. Came to where Jesus was. When Jesus was trying to have peaceful, peaceful, you know, moment. Quiet time, relaxed. Where he can be himself and just relax and have a good time. You know, and this woman showed up. Because her case was urgent. She really really needed a miracle. So this woman had to overcome all these impediments, three of them that we have mentioned, so that she can unlock the undeserved miracle that she so desired for her daughter. So I want to go deeper and explain to you how she did this. Number one, how did she do this? How did she provoke how did she provoke, overcome all these impediments and provoke her miracle, the undeserved miracle? Number one, she sought the Lord. The Bible says this woman was a Greek. She was from Greece. If you look at the map, where Greece is and where Israel is, that's quite a distance. So she traveled from Greece all the way to come to Israel so that she could meet Jesus. She covered thousands of miles, thousands of kilometers to come to where Jesus was. Ladies and gentlemen, we must be honest that this was an expensive affair for this woman. This was not a convenient journey for this lady. I'm sure it inconvenienced her in one way or another. It was tiring for her to cover all those distances, all those miles or rather kilometers, to cover all that distance without a plane, without a car. Those days they were mostly walking or using donkeys, or if you're rich, you use horses and chariots. So it must have been a very expensive affair. We don't know how she got to where Jesus was, but we know she covered so many miles 
to get to where Jesus was. I believe at some point it was discouraging for her, but she pressed on. She faced a lot of challenges on the way. You remember when Jesus was talking about the story of the Good Samaritan, a guy was traveling and he was attacked on the way. Maybe she was almost killed on the way. She was almost attacked on the way because she didn't have an entourage to protect her. It was a very difficult journey for her, but her quest for the undeserved miracle was unquenched. This woman teaches us a very important lesson here, that sometimes we must be inconvenienced in a way for us to provoke the undeserved miracle. You see, because the world has really developed in many ways, we are getting to a place where we don't want any form of inconvenience. We don't want to be inconvenient in any, inconvenienced in any way. We want comfortable life. In fact, we want soft life. Talk to me, somebody. We don't want anything that is tiring. We don't want anything that will, that will tax us in a way. We don't want anything that will pull so much out of us. We want easy things. We want quick things. We are a microwave, escalator, elevator generation. Now we are even away from stairs. And when you find a building which doesn't have an elevator, the watchman will not hear the end of the story. We are mad, we are angry. It's because we don't want to be inconvenienced in any way. We want a mall that is around the corner. Talk to me, somebody. We want a school that is around the corner. We want a church that is around the corner. In fact, you want to hear praise and worship has started before you go to your bathroom to shower. That's the kind of church you want. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. Just say amen. <laughs> we want a lot of, you know, things which are convenient to us. But this woman is teaching us a very vital lesson here. That sometimes when you have a conviction about something, it will take everything out of you for you to be able to get it. There are times, ladies and gentlemen, when conviction must trump over inconvenience. Let me say that again. There are times when conviction must trump over inconvenience. The Syrophoenician woman was not after convenience. She was after conversion, which was fueled by conviction. She said, oh, he's in Israel. No problem. I am so convicted that if I can get where he is, my daughter will be fine. So she was not even looking at the distance. She was not even focusing on how she was going to be inconvenienced. She decided to take the journey because she knew from the word God that she doesn't even deserve this miracle. But she said, let me try anyway. I will cover the miles. I will go the distance and get to where Jesus was. Even if it takes me two days or three days or one week or two months, I have to get to where Jesus is because that is where I'm going to get help for my daughter. Look at our generation today. We don't want to travel to go to church. We want convenience. You have a car. 
But you want a church next to your door. Where you just reverse and you are in the church compound. Tell your neighbor, it's true for all of us. Because you are doing calculations of the fuel. But you don't understand that by the time God was blessing you with a car, he knew that he would provide the fuel for you to drive the car. Because God cannot bless you with something that he knows you cannot manage. The reason why some of you are not driving is because you don't have capacity for fuel. When you have capacity for fuel, God will give you the car. Because a car is not for decoration. A car is a mode of transport. And it's to move you from one place to another. And so when God blesses you with these things, it's because God wants you to, I mean, go the distance. Wherever he wants you to go, you go. And be there. Because that's where your blessing is. Can I hear an amen? amen. Those days, even roads were not tarmacked. Look at Christians of a generation. You invite them to church, they ask you, is there a road to your church? And is it tarmacked? Does it have a pedestrian walk? Do you have streetlights so that when the meeting is really late, I, 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 I can go home <laughs> safely? Hey, Lord have mercy. We need to come to a place where we say, if my miracle is here, if it means climbing the mountain to get there, I will climb. If it means swimming across this river, I will swim across this river to get to where my miracle is. Whatever it takes, I have to get there because my miracle is in that place. Can I hear an amen? Every long-distance traveler is a starer of the undeserved miracle. Every long-distance traveler is a starer of the undeserved miracle. When you understand what you stand to gain, distance becomes none of your worries because you only want to get there and you have to get there. Hallelujah. Some of you have covered a long distance to get here. Let me tell you, it is not in vain. God has seen it and because he has seen it, may he release the undeserved miracle in your life in the name of Jesus. These are for people who have traveled. Do I have people who have traveled, covered some, some kilometers? Because of your coming this morning, may God provoke the undeserved miracle in your life in the name of Jesus. Throw your hands up and say, I receive it in Jesus' name. Yeah, sit down. It is not how close your house is to the church. It's how near your heart is to the church. How near your heart is to God. How near your heart is to Jesus. Because I can tell you there are many neighbors who are around this church, but they are not in church this morning. They are in bed sleeping. So it's not about the distance. It is about your heart. This woman had a different heart. No wonder she didn't even feel the distance. She kept on going. She kept on going. She kept on going. She kept on going. She kept on going until distance was nothing. If you really want to know how close your heart is to God, move away from the church. Oh, Lolo. I have lost three quarters of the congregation. Try and live across town to test your commitment to church. If you realize you cannot manage, then you can move close. But that's how you tell how committed you are to the house of God.
Tell your neighbor, it has nothing to do with the road. If you are told there is gold in this place and there is no road to get here, will you get here? How will you get here? I have good news for you. There are spiritual blessings here. Your breakthrough is here. Your healing is here. Your deliverance is here. Your joy is here. A revelation that is meant to propel you to the next level is here. Make the trip and your life will never remain the same. I prophesy, receive the undeserved miracle in your life this morning. Shout, I receive it! Number two, she was humble. She was humble. I have realized in life, it is easy to walk in pride than to walk in humility. It's very easy to walk in pride. Yet, it is humility that provokes the undeserved miracle. Do you realize that pride was first seen in heaven from a creature that God created? Lucifer was so proud that he wanted to unseat God. And it is God who created him. It is God who anointed him. It is God who put the tablets and the pipes, you know, as part of his makeup. Yet he got to a place where he wanted to unseat God in heaven. But this selfish exaltation did not promote him, but rather it brought him down to dust. And a lot of people prefer walking in pride instead of walking in humility because it is easy for you to walk in pride. It is easy for you to entertain pride in your heart, but it's very hard for you to have humility. Humility is the longer road. It takes a lot for you to be humble because you have to bring yourself down. Sometimes when I look at some Christians in the church who are very proud, I wonder where we are headed as a church. I just wonder where we are headed as a church, the way they are proud. You know, people who used to be humble all of a sudden become proud. You see, Lucifer at the beginning was very humble. No wonder even God allowed him to be in his presence. Of all the angels, I think uh, Lucifer was the one who was in the presence of God more. Because the Bible says he was walking, you know, in the presence of God, singing, you know, leading worship, doing all those things in the presence of God. So God was always receiving music from him 24-7. And he didn't need power for him to produce music because part of his makeup was uh, tablets and, and, and pipes. You see, and tablets, you know, it's another form of drums. You see these drums? That's another form of tablets. So he had the beat inside of him. The time signature was part of his makeup. Whatever song God wants, I mean, the guy just, you know, just moves and you can hear the foot kick. Doom. Shakes his head, you can hear the cymbals. Yeah, and then he produced sound. Yeah, keyboard guitar, whatever, was part of him. So he was a one-man guitar. He stands there, there's music in heaven. You know, and so he began humble. And then at some point, the Bible says, until iniquity was found in your heart. He became proud and he started exalting himself in his heart, saying, I will be like God. I will ascend. You know, I will take over this throne. You know, so you can begin humble, but it's a challenge to stay humble. Because I see people begin humble, but they don't stay humble. They become proud. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes when I look at how people become proud quickly, 
I worry. I wonder, where is the church headed? Where are we headed as a church? Because we have people who are becoming proud very quickly instead of remaining humble. So look at them and tell them, please, remain humble. Pride will never provoke the undeserved miracle. It is humility. Somebody shout humility. Shout again humility. It is humility that will provoke the undeserved miracle. Mark chapter 7 verse 25. Look at the humility of this woman. The Bible says she came and fell at his feet. When she finally arrived, she fell at his feet. You know, she could have come with her chest out say, Jesus, I wish you knew where I'm coming from. Hmm, I have traveled miles and miles and miles to be here. Please, you can never disappoint me. <laughs> Jesus, you can never disappoint me. I am from Greece. Check your map, Jesus. Are you a, geogra are you a geography student, Jesus? Check your map. She could have said that. But she never said that. She came and did what? She fell at his feet. That is humility. No pride, no arrogance, no sense of entitlement. She came and she fell at his feet. That is pure humility. Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to celebrate Christmas. And everybody is excited about Christmas. But at the heart of this celebration is humility. Sometimes we get caught up with the celebrations of Christmas and we think it's food, it's traveling, going to exotic places, visiting family and friends, eating a lot of food. This is the time people are generous. This is the time people overeat. People eat until they look at food and hate it. People eat until they swallow, um, they swallow acto. Or ino. To try and relieve the pressure. In their bellies. People eat until their stomachs ache. It's during this season that we have a lot of heightened sexual encounters. Heightened. You are here but somebody is planning. I can have you. And so we caught up with, in so many of these things until we forget the real essence of this season. The real essence of this season is humility. That Jesus left heaven, humbled himself, left heaven to come and be with us. He decided to put on flesh, wrap himself in flesh. And all of us, we know that this flesh is not a very good thing. Isn't it? Yeah, we are trying to make it look nice, but look, it is degenerating. That's why you have bought makeup. That's why you even buy hair. Now we are buying hair. We are buying hair. We are buying uh, eyelids or eyelashes. Is it eyelids or eyelashes? Eyelashes. We are buying eyelashes. We are buying, we are buying nails. Can you believe it? We are buying nails. We are even buying hips. Just, just, just can you imagine we are buying all those things? We are even now buying things to exaggerate our, our, our nene. Our, I don't want to mention the name because this is Christmas. I must be very holy. You understand what I'm saying? So that you, you look in a certain way. 
So when you walk, people think you are Yeah, we buy a lot of things sometimes because this body is, is not a very nice body. It's degenerating every day. Yeah, we are trying to make it. You try not to shower for two days. You will not even like it. You start, people, you start hearing people say, I feel like something is dead in this house. Is there a dead rat in this house? And it is your, it's your own body. So you're washing it every day. Amen. And ladies in this church, you must shower twice a day. I want to repeat again. Ladies in this church, it is a rule. You must shower twice a day. Stop telling us you are a tomboy. We don't want you to be a tomboy. Shower twice. Morning and evening. Don't jump in your bed with the... Shetania Shindo. You shower. And not with a bar soap. Yeah. Shower with something that when you come to the bed. Yes. Yeah. Scented lotion. Scented. scented. Play, play around scented. scented. Scented candles. Scented lotion. Scented shampoo. Please turn to a lady next to you and tell her. Play around, around that area. Scented. The ladies are not happy with me, but I'll preach anyway. I'm the one with the microphone. Three days as a lady, you have not showered. And you're just speaking in tongues in the house. Rabba, kata, tata, papa. You. You brush your teeth once. The devil is a liar. We shall not get a rodeo. We refuse in the name of Jesus. Shower. Smell nice. Look good. Yes, because this body is something else. I'm telling you. And Jesus humbled himself. You see, ladies are waiting for me to attack the men. I am not. And Jesus wrapped himself. I am the one with the microphone, so, so tell your neighbor, moving on swiftly. And Jesus wrapped himself with his body, stinking body, rotting body, dirty body, wrapped himself. That is the highest act of humility. A God who has never sinned takes this sinful flesh and decides to wrap himself with it. And he comes and he walks on this face, on the face of the earth, on this, you know, on this, in this world rather, or on the face of this world, and is with us every day for almost three, 30, 30 and, uh, 33 years with us here on earth. That's, that's humility. That's humility. That's what the Bible says, God has now exalted him. Yes. And he did that so that he may provoke a miracle that we don't deserve. What is this miracle? Forgiveness. We didn't deserve it. Nobody here deserved it. That's what the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. We were the ones to die, but he humbled himself to die in our place. And he provoked the blessing of forgiveness upon our lives. Now we can walk freely enjoying forgiveness because of an act of humility that was demonstrated by Jesus Christ. So tell your neighbor, stop being proud and be humble. Yeah, even the ladies, be proud. It takes humility to shower twice. Oh yes. Because some of you are now arguing with me in your head. You are saying, how comes he's not showering? I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about you. It takes humility to shower twice. Oh yes. Yeah, it takes humility. Tell a lady next to you, stop arguing with the pastor in your head. It takes humility. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. All ladies, you should smell nice. And you should look good. Philippians chapter 2. It's a very powerful verse here. Hey, I'm preaching, I'm telling you. I'm helping my daughters here. Therefore, I want us to read this verse together. Therefore, hey, Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. And being found, can we read all of us? And being found in appearance as a man. Wait, who is this that the Bible is talking about? He was found in appearance as a man. Then what happened? He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. When he became a man, he immediately humbled himself. You're not getting what I'm saying. When he put on flesh, he immediately humbled himself. It goes without saying, the moment you put on flesh, the next thing you should put on is humility. The moment you become a human being, released here on earth, the next thing you should cover yourself with, wrap yourself with, is humility. Should become humble. Hallelujah. So humility is a must. Shun pride if you're going to provoke the undeserved miracle. The Bible says she fell at his feet and humbled herself. Jesus humbled himself, putting on flesh, came here and provoked the undeserved miracle for us. He unleashed redemption for us. We didn't deserve it. We're not supposed to have it, but he did it because of what? Of humility. So humility unlocks the undeserved miracle. Number three, she was persistent. She had every reason to give up on her quest for a miracle. With all the obstacles staring at her, 
She needed persistence to soldier on without getting discouraged. When you look at verse 26 to verse 28, the Bible says the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him. She didn't ask once. She kept asking him. She kept doing it. She didn't ask once and then got discouraged. When she asked the first time and Jesus was quiet, she asked again. She kept on asking until Jesus responded. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Look at such a response from Jesus. But she was not discouraged. She answered and said to him, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Jesus was trying to test her seriousness to see how committed she is to her quest for healing. Tried to see if he can break her spirit. But this woman's spirit was unbreakable. She was persistent. And she said, look, I know. But even the dogs eat something. So just give me something. Yeah, I don't even want the children's bread. I just want the crumbs that fall off the table. That's all I want. I don't want the children's bread. Just give me crumbs. Yeah, because what is in the bread, the content that is in the bread is the same content that is in the crumbs. Or is it different? It's not different. It's the same. Tell your neighbor the content is the same. So you can see that she was unbreakable. She had an unbreakable spirit. You know, this morning I was talking with Pastor Steve and Jeremy, and I was telling them, I've discovered that in life, many, many people miss out on their blessing, on their miracles, simply because they are not patient. They are not patient. And in this world, without patience, I don't think you can go very far. This world requires a lot of patience, I'm telling you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, to be in this government, you need patience. A lot of patience. Isn't it? Because we can't judge this government with one year or two years. We need patience. Oh, yes. And our patience, patience will be tested to the limit. Yeah. We have to survive. <laughs> oh, yes. Tell your neighbor we have to survive. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me, I have been in the opposition for a while. I survived. We have to suffer. It's part of life. Anything in this life, without patience, you can never have it. You want to start a business today and tomorrow you're making millions. Please, excuse me. It takes time. It might take you five years. It might take you ten years to make your first million in business. You need to be persistent. There will be difficulties. There will be challenges. There will be discouraging times. But you have to be Persistent. Like this woman, you'll be discouraged, you'll feel like quitting, you'll feel like giving up, but you have to be persistent. Yes, you have to break through every opposition. You have to say, never say die. Yeah, you have, you have to come to a place where you say, I'm going to believe in this thing until it comes to pass. Things are tough, things are difficult, but I will stay on. I will fight. I will still be hopeful. I will still have faith. I will still fight for what I believe. I will dig my foot 
in the ground and believe God for the impossible. And with time, whatever you believe God for, it will come to pass. Even the Bible says, wait for the vision. For it tarries. You have to wait for it because it will surely come to pass. Wait for the cathedral. For it tarries. One day we shall worship in that cathedral. Can I amen in this house? Tell your neighbor, you have to be persistent. Look at what happened because of her persistence. Verse 29 to verse 30. Throw out the scripture. Verse 29. After she gave Jesus that response, what did Jesus do? Then he said to her, for this saying, for your persistence that I see through your speech. He says, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. Verse 30. And when she got there, she found that the demon had left and her daughter was there lying in bed. It's like even the daughter didn't know that the demon has, had left. But it's because of her passive. What if she gave up? Even her traveling all those miles, it is persistence that kept her going. Getting to where Jesus was and his reaction was not encouraging. Because sometimes the reaction of the person you want help from will not be encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some of you, your heart is fragile. Yeah, your heart is so fragile. You go to your uncle, your uncle who promised that he will talk to somebody, and then that somebody will give you a joy. Then when you go to see your uncle, your uncle said, "But I told you I will do it," and you've been waiting for two years. If you have a small heart, you will give up. You understand what I'm saying? Or you go to your friend who promised to do something for you and they have changed their mind. If you have a small heart, you'll be crushed. But you have to be persistent. And you have to tell yourself that if one door is shut, another one will open. Maybe I'm preaching to myself. Am I preaching to people in this house? If one person refuses to help me, God will raise another person to help me. Oh, I wish I had a witness in this house. One reaction will never make me give up on my dreams. One resistance or obstacle will not make me give up on my vision. If you say no to me, I will turn to this other person. If this person says no to me, I will turn to this other person. And if everybody around me say no to me, I will look up. I will lift up my eyes to the hill. For whence does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven. And I give somebody high five and tell them I will not give up. I will not give up. I will be persistent. I need to preach to somebody here who has almost given up on their dreams because there's nobody to help you, nobody to support you, nobody to stand with you. I came to inject you with a virus called persistence that it may flow in your blood system. That no matter what you face, no matter the obstacle, no matter the difficulty, you will still stand. The Bible says stand therefore. That means after you have done everything you have to stand. Stand. There is no miracle, but you are still standing. There is no breakthrough, but you are still standing. There is no money in your pocket, but you are still standing. No friend has stood with you, but you are still standing. There is no door that has been opened in front of you, but you are still standing. No friend to cheer you up, but you are still standing. I wish I had people who say, I will stand no matter what. Oh, 
yeah, 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 yeah. Because I am unbreakable. You cannot break my spirit. You cannot discourage me until I give up on my dream. I'm like this woman. Yes, I'm a Greek, but I know what I came for. I know what I want from Jesus. And I'm not going to live here until he gives it to me. If it means staying here with him the whole day, I will stay. If it means sleeping here, I will sleep. If it means following him for a week, I will follow him for a week. But I'm not going back home to a dead daughter in my house. I must get my miracle. I must get my breakthrough. I must get my healing. Do I have such people in this house? Give somebody a high five and tell them I'm not giving up yet. Oh yes. Oh yes. We need such believers. Look at our believers nowadays. They pray for one week. Oh, I'm so discouraged. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I was even in the 21 days prayer and fasting. I prayed for this thing. Look, it is now December and nothing has happened. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Even next year, we are going to have fasting and prayer. You join the group. You join the program. And you keep on praying. If he doesn't do it in 2024, 2025, you keep on praying. In other words, the only thing that will make you turn from prayer to thanksgiving is when you see God has performed what you prayed for. But as long as he has not performed, you will pray. You pray in the morning. You pray in the evening. You pray in January, you pray in February, you pray in March, you pray in April, you will keep on praying until the miracle comes. You will not give up. You will not say, I'm stepping down. This God I'm serving, he's not seeing me. Look at even the way he's reacting to my prayer request. And the way I've been serving him, I've been coming to church at five in the morning. I've been coming to church every Sunday. God, do you see the road I used to go to church? Even if it's not for my prayers, reward me for using the bumpy road. And he says nothing, but you keep coming. <laughs> you keep praying. You keep hoping. You decide that my spirit will not be broken. Things are tough. But my spirit will not be broken. Taxes are going up every day. But I will still be a millionaire. Under this environment in the name. Oh, shh. Can I, can, I, can I preach like I feel it? You see, your blessing is not dependent on people. Because if it was dependent on people, people can frustrate you. Your blessing is dependent on God. In fact, the Bible says, give, and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men, shall men, shall men, shall men. Who provokes the men to give to you? It is God. Because some men can be funny. Some people can be funny. Some people can even forget that they are conduits of your blessing. But let me tell you, God can bypass them and raise somebody else to be a blessing to you. I prophesy in the name of Jesus by your persistence may God remain by you. May God reward you. May God bless you. May God turn your life around in the name of Jesus. If you can only be persistent I prophesy that may God come through for you in the name of Jesus. May he open that door for you. May he release that breakthrough for you. May he elevate you. May he release that and deserve miracle for you. If you believe it shout a louder amen in this house.
She did not give up. And you too, you will not give up. But pastor, I'm 30. Don't give up. You're still young. Oh, yes. Oh, but pastor, I'm 35. Oh, don't give up. Oh, yes. Keep going. Hallelujah. But pastor, I'm 50. Age is just but a number. Don't give up. Keep going. In the name of Jesus, there is always a way. I need to tell somebody here, there is always a way. I say there is always a way. The Bible says that with every temptation, God will provide a way of escape. There is always a way. I wish I had a witness in this. Don't give up. There is always a way. Let me give you this story. I, I know of a person who waited for a husband for many years and it never happened. Many, many years. Then she got married and she was past the childbearing age. Then one time she was seated in her house and she heard a child crying. She was wondering, where is this cry coming from? She got out of her house and she could hear the child crying. And she followed the voice of that cry. And she found a child had been dumped in her farm. And she took the child to the hospital. Went and did everything. She went to the police. The police told her, look, nobody has claimed this child. God has remembered you. Take care of that child. There is always a Oh, Lord, help me. There, there, there is. In fact, when she found the child, the, the child was full of worms. The child was full of, I mean, it was, it was a scary. In fact, she, she thought the child would not make it. So the mother knew the child died. But she has raised that child. Now she has a child. There's always a way. There's always a way. Give somebody I tell them there's always a way. There's, 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 there's a way. Let me give you the last one, number five. She refused to succumb to wounds and hearts. Do you know what Jesus called her? Her dog. But she refused to succumb to hearts and wounds. She said, I will not be offended. I've realized you can choose to be offended. And you can choose not to be offended. <laughs> Jesus compared this woman to a dog. I believe she could have said, how dare you call me a dog? Do you know I have traveled all these miles to come to where you are? And you're calling me a dog? Comparing me to an animal, she could have been wounded, she could have been mad, she could have said, if that is the church, watch I cry. If this is the Messiah, people are looking up to, then they are lost. She could have been wounded, she could have been hurt, and she could have even made her wounds kill her daughter. Because the daughter was lying in bed 
at the point of death because of demons. If she could have allowed her wounds hmm, to overwhelm her and start saying, Jesus, you have wounded me, you have frustrated me, you have called me a dog, I am going to look for another Messiah. Her daughter could have died of demonic affliction. Jesus said offenses will come, but you must choose whether to be offended or not. It's your choice. Because some of us, we like being offended. Everything offends you. Even the balloons have offended you this morning. It's a wedding. It's not a wedding. It's just something different. You're offended. You're mad. You're angry. This woman had every reason to be offended. If I call you dog this morning, some of you will never come back to this church. You will say the, the, the love in the church has moved. Yeah. See how people behave in the church because of offense. How they move from church to church. How they leave a department because they are offended. And you follow up, they are offended. They're so offended. I think somebody said this in that department. I'm so offended. And now they take the whole church. The whole church now has offended them because of one person who said something in a department that they didn't like. And now they are offended with everyone. I will never go to that church again. Please. It's a choice. It's a choice. Tell your neighbor, it's a choice. You can choose to be offended or not. You can choose to be angry or not. It's a choice that you can make. That's what the Bible says, be angry and not sin. So you make a choice. Oh, I want to be angry. Okay, become angry. And then the Bible says, then don't, do not sin. But anger and sin are siami sins. Allow your anger to rise and see how you will sin. You will call people names. Oh, yes. Yeah. Even a preacher, if you don't control your anger, you will call people names. You will abuse people. Me, I know of preachers who abuse people. <laughs> oh, so you know the preachers as well. Huh? <laughs> Tell your neighbor you have a choice to make. I'm not promising you that you will live an offense-free life. If I do that, I'll be lying to you. Offense is everywhere. What surprises me with Christians? Can I tell you what surprises me with Christians? Can I move closer? What surprises me with Christians is that when they get offended in the church, they leave the church. But when they get offended at the place of work, they don't resign. They still go there. And they can work there for 30 years. They can even be called names. And they still go. All oh, the bad names, stupid, porridge in their heads. Useless man. And Monday, faithfully, whether it rains or not, committed. Oh, 7.59, they are seated behind the desk. 
And in church, one offense. They say there is no love in that church anymore. Aha. Uh-huh. How about the place of work? Somebody say, I'm also shocked. So offense will be everywhere. Oh, yes. Yeah, offense will be everywhere. And if you want to be offended, you'll be offended with everything. Even my message will offend you. Yeah, like there's a lady here who is wondering, how comes he did not attack the man? You, you're already being offended. You're like, this message is not complete. It's an offense that you're building in your heart. And I promise you, I'm not attacking the men today. Ladies should shower twice. Twice. Ladies, shower twice. Yes. Period. A message within a message. So you have a choice to make whether you'll be offended or not. This woman decided I'm not going to be offended. I have bigger problems. I have a bigger challenge waiting for me at home. I must go home with a solution. So I allow these small offenses to block me from the main thing. I know what brought me before Jesus. I know what made me cover the distance to come here. I cannot allow being called a dog to make me miss my miracle. And in real sense, when I look at myself, I'm not a dog. I'm not walking on fours. I'm not barking. I'm having an intelligent conversation with Jesus. So I am not even a dog. But you see, offense makes you believe what people say about you. When they call you a dog, you say, hey. You start even barking. And you believe whatever they have said about you. But touch your neighbor, tell them you're not a dog. They didn't hear you. Shout it in their ear and tell them you are not a dog. You are a child of God. Hallelujah. So you have every right to choose if you're going to be offended or not. It's a choice that you have to make. It's a decision that you have to make. Praise the Lord. But I want you to know offense will be there. You can never run away from offense. Hallelujah. You can run away because there was offense in church. But then don't get married. Because there's also offense in marriage. Yeah, it's not just, oh, we are going to be, we shall just love each other. We shall just be all over each other. Hugging. Smooch. Morning. Evening. You wake up. Before breakfast. After breakfast. Before they go to work. Hey. You call. You blow one. You see the way married people are reacting. Hmm. Sometimes you look at the person you wonder, should I kiss or not? Then you say, today I pass. Mm -hmm. Say, I love you with the love of Christ. 
offense will always be there. If you're running away from the church because of offense, then don't get children. Don't get children. Children will offend you. Oh yes, they will. Yes, you will tell them one thing, they will do another one. And sometimes you beat and beat and beat until you wonder, this beating, is it even working? You stop beating. Oh yes. Oh yes, even you. In school, suluko na kausha. Huh? Please, are you understanding what I'm preaching this way? Uh, the teacher beats you until he, he says you stand up. <laughs> he wants to beat you on the face now because he's feeling like the cane. <laughs> Offense is everywhere. Place of work in your neighborhood, you come and park your car, your neighbor comes out. And he wants you to fight. You have packed on my spot. You are making my life difficult, whatever. Hey. One time, I was having a neighbor. We, I, was, I was from a prayer meeting. I was feeling anointed. I think we were fasting. Feeling anointed. Got there. Then when I was just packing, the neighbor was there. And he started. You know when somebody begins and then they raise their voice, you also feel something rising. And I said, is, is the neighbor taking advantage of my pastor or what? You know, I felt like I should roll my sleeves before I talk so that the neighbor can know I'm serious. Then I realized, uh-uh. I must choose. And it becomes worse if the person is a lady. And I looked at her and I realized that she was also well built. And I said, I don't want to start something that I might not be able to finish myself. Offenses are everywhere. You have a choice to make. I love this woman. She chose not to be offended because she had a bigger problem that she was dealing with. And when she overcame she overcame, brother, you know, the offense. She received the miracle. By the time she got home, a child was ill. I want to pose a question to you this morning. You speak your mind. You express your anger. You express your wounds. And your child dies. Or you overcome your wounds, overcome your anger, overcome offenses and your child is here, which one will you choose? The latter? Sela, let's turn to our feet. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazo Tachero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.